0: We're gonna get the call here. We're
1: getting the- How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in, either in the live stream or if you're watching on replay or listening wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rangers Review, episode 51 now. Very excited again to get into this one. This was a lot overdue. We easily should have been doing this two days ago, but our schedules were not permitted. That we'll be getting into in a second. Steven and I, my name's Tower. You guys know me as Wardy probably, especially from Wardy NYM uh, covering Mets on youtube and of course we got steven Statboy, boy steven the biggest stat boy that you will ever see especially on rangers twitter uh, he's far above anyone else uh, to say the least uh, we're going to be breaking down however in our latest rangers podcast the past couple games for the rangers including their first game with their new acquisitions that will be taking a good amount of time and today's pod to break down our initial reactions to those trades acquiring Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott, and Justin Braun, how they fared in their first game for the Rangers at this point, and what we can expect not just from them, but for the Rangers and the games going forward. And we'll also be answering some questions if you guys are watching the live stream where we do our normal QA segment towards the end of the podcast. But like I said, playing again, too, very excited, long overdue. So, again, for people that weren't aware, Steven was flying back home from the States to Dublin, Ireland, the day of the NHL trade deadline. So naturally, because of that reason, we would not be able to cover anything live as it happened. And the Rangers were, were pretty much silent until we got into that last hour where they did the bulk of their work. Not just they first acquired Justin Braun, as we know, but then they, of course, got themselves Andrew Kopp, who I'm most excited about. I, I've said that already for at least the past month. I've been telling you guys how much I've liked Andrew Kopp out of the options out there via trade. And of course, Tyler Mott, who was a very sneaky, good pickup too. So we'll be deep diving them a little bit into the pod. But before that, we're going to go over the last uh, three games for the Rangers up until we get to the devil's game. That's where we'll cut things off and talk about these player acquisitions. But yeah, we didn't get a chance to do it right away. And Steven was also getting his internet figured out yesterday. So we just we're a couple days late per usual. We do apologize. I know that it definitely has not been the mo- most orthodox podcast at this point. But like I said, we're happy to be here now. And we're very excited to get into yeah. it. So Steven. How are you doing today, buddy?
0: Yeah, I take all the blame, of course, for traveling for two weeks. Um, but yeah, it was a great trip. Um, as as much as I loved it, though, glad to be back in Dublin. Um, still jet lagged. You know, I still sleep during the day and wake up. Uh, or fall asleep at like six in the morning and then wake up at like four. But I should be uh, good to go next uh, next week um and yeah i already watched my first rangers game back in dublin i don't want to talk about that too much but i guess we're gonna have to get in, get into that later on uh but yeah all doing well um and yeah planning my flight back on trade deadline day is probably the biggest mistake i've made since my first marriage
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean look we, we all make mistakes this won't be the last time where we have something terribly timed with yeah. our respective schedules. It is what mm-hmm. is at the end of the day. Look, um, as much as it would have been nice to break the news as it happened, I'm glad that we can kind of garner our thoughts and actually react to it at is, least one it is game nice. they were in the lineup.
0: Yeah, it is nice that we had a couple of days to let it marinate, and now you get our opinions after we've seen them f- play for a game. We were able to you know, let it digest a little bit the fact that we traded away all those picks and also Morgan Barron and Anthony Potato. So, yeah. Excited to get uh, into this one today. Let's go.
1: Yeah, no, let's go indeed. So, yeah, we're going to be going over the last, I would say, at least uh, three games up until game 64 in the season. That's where, we're, where we are going to stop, like I said, talk about these acquisitions because then we're going to get into that game against the Devils, that being the latest one. But, Stephen, our prediction going into this week – I think neither of us got the predictions correct because out of those three games, Rangers went two and one. I think I picked them going one, one, and one, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure I think you might've went one and two or something along those lines. So I don't know who won, who has the belt right now. And again, for people that aren't aware, each, did you, did you write one
0: down point. the shot this? The goal predictions, the goal predictions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did I write down last time? Yes. Okay. Let me check right now then. Give me one second. Um. Yeah. If you guys aren't aware, what we do in the pod at towards the end of each podcast, we look at the next uh, upcoming schedule for the Rangers. You know, we're looking at exactly how are they going to fare over say the next three, four games until we discuss again because we do weekly pods usually, and then we give our predictions on on uh, the amount of wins and losses, and whoever gets it right, we act as if we have you know like a belt, a championship that we win. Um. We're but it's neither. We're, not, we're gonna get one. We are gonna get one. But if neither of us get it right, then we pick, of course, a tiebreaker with who was close when it comes to the goals scored. So I'm just double-checking quick. Give me one second uh, because, of course, I have everything messed around here. I want to say, based on the Rangers' goals, let me put it this way. Did I have the over or the under? Because that's really going to be You
0: picked 12 goals, I think. Okay. If I picked 12
1: goals, you picked the under. I I remember you picking the under. So let's just do the math quick. Uh Rangers scored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I picked twelve. Wait, did, I, did I really pick twelve goals?
0: Yes. Over three games? No, four. We 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 went with all four games for the prediction, I think. For the goal prediction. Even the devils game? Yeah. Okay, well, if we
1: did, I was still wrong. So either way, you have the belt. So it doesn't matter. I still matter. No, it doesn't matter. It's fine. We'll be more structured next time. But before we go forward here in the pod, shout out so much to uh in the live stream for the twenty dollar donation. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Finally catching you live. Well the beginning. Um a skill beats great. Oh, thank you so much for the donation. I appreciate that a lot. I can see where you stand in regards to, you know, the Rangers being a gritty team versus skill. And you know, you're you absolutely right in a lot of ways. You can't just be gritty. You, of course, have to be skilled as well. If not more, more often than not. So, again, appreciate that donation a lot in the live stream. But let's just dive in because the first game that we have for the Rangers, Steven, I'll let you take it away with that one if you'd like. That is against the New York Islanders. And this was a frustrating game. I will put it lightly. That was a very frustrating game that the Rangers should not have lost in that fashion. Uh, a blown call mm-hmm. is what defined that game,
0: Stephen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We'll we'll get into that when we get to the final goal. But um, what really stood out to me in this game was just how amazing this goalie battle is going to be for the next decade between yes. the Rangers. And between
1: two it. best friends,
0: no less. Yes, Sjostrom and Sorokin are best friends. You know, they've played together at every age level for the national team. They played against each other at every age level on, uh, for their club teams. Uh, they go way back, um, and f- to f- for them both to end up in New York is just—it's just poetic. Um, and unfortunately, Sorokin got the better of uh, of uh, of Shashorkin in this game, but it wasn't—it wasn't as if Shashorkin had a bad game. Uh, you know, Sorokin made twenty-nine saves on thirty shots. Uh, Shashorkin made twenty-six on twenty-eight shots, but the quality of the saves, man, from from both these goalies it was amazing. Um, if, if we look at the next generation of goaltending and if there are any people listening with kids or if there are any kids listening here who are playing goalie at a young age, um, keep an eye on these two because these two are almost redefining how you play as a goaltender. You know, the, uh, we we don't see guys like Lundqvist uh, in these two. Where Lundqvist is a very reactionary goalie. Sorokin and Cheshchorkin take away the high danger chances by you know by by coming out early and positioning themselves. And you could tell you could tell that Sorokin and Cheshchorkin were both on top of their game in this game. But unfortunately, the Islanders get the better of the Rangers in this game. Anders Lee uh, gets them on the board one minute in to the second period on the power play assisted by Barzal and Noah Dobson. Uh, Kreider ties it uh, again on the power play assisted by Jacob Trouba and Alexi Lafreniere. So that's Lafreniere's first ever power play point in the NHL. Up until this point all his all up until today up until that day all his points have come at even strength. Um, and for Kreider, it was a milestone goal, 40th goal of the season. He becomes only the fifth Rangers draft pick to score 40 goals for the blue shirts in a single season. Um, So, yeah, big milestone for Kreider there. Going into the third period, tied 1-1. And then we get to the point you were alluded to earlier. Um, Lindgren gets elbowed in the face by – who was it? Was it Wallstrom? No, Um,
1: it was Palmieri, and he was the one that ended up scoring. Um,
0: So he gets hit in the face with an elbow. Um, Refs don't see it. Uh, Islanders go the other way, and Palmieri scores, assisted by Pollock and Pellock uh Sam Rosen's nightmare those two uh and unfortunately the Rangers fall short on St Patrick's Day against the Islanders um it was I think the first time in 20 years they played the Islanders on St Patrick's Day their record on St Patrick's Day hasn't been great over the last few decades um but yeah the Rangers deserve to win this and I'm not one to complain about referees you know referees are human sometimes they miss things sometimes they make mistakes um and yeah Uh, This is a play that's not reviewable. And yeah, you could see that there was, there was blood uh, on Lindgren's face, but referees cannot call a penalty based on there being blood on someone's face because that's just not how it works. It's unfortunate. The Rangers fall victim to the referees missing that, that elbow to Lindgren's face, but yeah, they lose two, one to the Islanders. Um, and I'm going to say one thing about the Islanders here. Um, they are a playoff team in every way except uh, their, their position in the standings. Um, this is a team that if they didn't start 13 games on the road, followed by a wave of COVID cases, and then starting in a new arena where nobody felt at home, they would have been a playoff team. This team is is, is just has an anomaly of a season. They're going to be back next year. So watch out for the Islanders, man. They're, they're, they are a good team. Um, and like I said, if it wasn't for that, that those, those 13 games on the road, how they started, it ruined them. And same thing happened to the sharks a couple of years ago. The Rangers had it, I think 10 years ago when they, when they had to start like nine or 10 games on the road with the uh, Madison square garden renovations,
1: they ended up overcoming that. Thankfully that season. the Rangers
0: ended up overcoming it, but I think the Rangers only had like seven or eight and the Islanders had 13 games in a row. Yeah, and on top of that, and I think this is something that's underestimated as well. Then they finally get home; they 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 come home, but they come home to a new arena. No one's ever been in that arena. No one's ever been to that locker room. So it's new still eyes, feels like It still feels like a road game for them, and it and it did for a couple of games. I think they lost their first four or five games at the UBS Arena. Yep,
1: and the and the and the jinx was supposedly because uh, one of the construction workers that was working on the rink uh dropped a rangers jersey under the uh the stadium as they were building put some bad luck that's, in there and it held true for a while
0: that that's a great story i don't know if it's true but it's a great story um, yeah i
1: believe it i believe it was from everything I mean, that i saw it wouldn't surprise me but look yeah. the
0: islanders are a good team uh losing to the islanders 2-1 nothing to be ashamed about unless you look at the standings um but in context this is a really good team we lost to
1: yeah No. It, look The Islanders, as you said, an anomaly of a season, wholeheartedly. And I will say, though, every single time that Igor and Sorkin match up, I am, you know, jumping for joy. And what I loved about this game outside of how it ended, because it was ridiculous, it was just a completely blown call that led to the Islanders winning. But prior to that, I love the intensity. This felt like a playoff game for basically the entirety of. Of the game until the Islanders um really, of course, towards the end when they got that goal, that's when everything sucked the life out of them because there was only a couple yeah. minutes left. But yeah, no, this was a playoff game through and through. The fans were in it. There were back and forth between Islander Ranger fans and MSG. And you know, goaltending wise, Igor stood on his head. He had a really good game. I'm not faulting this one on him at all. Um, he uh had himself uh 26 saves out of 28 shots and Sorokin again was just a little bit better. 29 saves on 30 shots. Won't go into the other advanced numbers because I realize they probably know that by now. So I know that takes up time, but in a nutshell, this was just a tough game for the Rangers to lose, in my opinion, especially with how the standings have been getting a little bit tighter as of late, but nothing too drastic. This was just a a loss that again, hurt more, not just because of St. Paddy's Day and the Islanders, but just the fashion more than anything to lose it after. Really you felt, and everyone can attest to it, a completely blown call is what caused this all to happen. Um, in the first place but getting into the next game and that we all know this one this was an interesting one as well thankfully a game that was in the Rangers favor and that was heading to Tampa and when we looked at the schedule of the past week in Tampa and Carolina you know there there are good reasons to be concerned and I told you however that I was far more concerned about the Carolina game than I was Tampa and it's kind of funny because when you look back on it the Rangers won both these games but there's no denying that one game, completely stood out more than the other when it comes to you know op- not just offensive production, but just constantly actually having effort in the offensive zone. The, the, these were night and day differences. And, of course, them being back-to-back definitely one in hand. But the Rangers go to Tampa, and they give up the early lead because Braden Point does what he does best. He scores his 23rd of the year power play goal, assisted by Kaloran and Hedman, who are both having very strong years. Also, a
0: controversial goal, by the way, by uh, by Point there.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yep. It, yeah. No pun intended. Pardon me. Um, <coughs> and the controversies felt like it was the case for the majority of these games, to be quite honest with you. Um, but then we get, when we get into the second period, thank you, Jacob Truba gets his 10th of the season. Truba has had such a sneaky good season, not just defensively, because we all know him for his defense and how much I feel that he has taking a step in the right direction this year but offensively too has been gaining the points really from a guy that you don't necessarily expect it from just because the rangers don't need it from him right you know second power play a guy that has foxy in front of him and you know and years prior of course had tony d and then you know prior to him of course we had neil pionk and then we trade him for him but still just impressive to see Truba hitting that 10-goal plateau. I was happy for him. And that made it a 1-1 game halfway through the second, assisted by Dryden Hunt, his 11th Apple of the Year, and Lafreniere, his 7th Apple, which would be his one assist in multiple consecutive games for the Rangers. And then we get in the third period, and thank you, thank you, thank you, Mika Zibanejad, with literally nine seconds left, was able to cause the Rangers to win this one on the power play. The Rangers were horrendous on the power play in this game. They were one for six. But Artemi Panarin realizes the Rangers, of course, they get themselves a power play with the last two minutes of the game. If you're going to give up a power play to one, one of, if not the best power play team in the league, with that amount of time, Odds are that something good is going to happen for the Rangers, and thankfully, that exactly did. The puck movement was tremendous. Panarin got a beautiful pass through the entire offensive zone horizontally to set up Zabanjad for that one t that just sneaked through Andre Vasilevsky to give the Rangers the win. His 25th of the year on the power play in total, 25 goals, assisted by Breadman, again, his 56th Apple, and Fox with his 53rd assist. As well, just a very, very strong game for the Rangers that, again, special teams wise, they were not doing well whatsoever on the power play front. But thankfully, there was a penalty by Tampa when it mattered most in the end, and that gave the Rangers a victory. So back-to-back games for the Rangers what? where we basically have a decider in, mm-hmm. the, in the, you know, the last couple minutes of the game, respectively, yeah. between the Islanders and now Tampa. So, Stephen, what are was you, your take on this one?
0: Well, you are missing one of the most vital points at, in how we won that game. What am when I the name? Rangers got the power play late, they put out the first unit. Oh, I know, and and I yeah the and, timeout. And they they put up the second unit, and then they got a quick whistle. And Zibanejad looked over to Galland. Yeah. And Galland called a timeout. Uh, put the first unit out there for the for the remaining what was it thirty seconds something. Um, without that decision by Galland, we don't score that game. We've been complaining with David saying, Quinn.
1: What have we been saying basically every episode? How Gallant has been strategic about using his timeouts. And it, it felt like destiny as soon as Banjad looked at him, too. Yeah. Like you knew what was going to
0: happen. He doesn't always make the right decision. We'll get to that in the Devils game uh, yeah, a little bit later, that's separate but, though. but in this case, great move by Gallant. And this is the type of decision making you want from your head coach. And this is what we've been complaining about under David Quinn for three years. David Quinn never made a decision that won us a game. To, on the contrary, actually, he made decisions that lost us games. But to see a coach make a decision that has this kind of impact, beating the, the, the two-time Stanley Cup champions, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, in their own arena, in the final 10 seconds of the game on the power play, man, that was huge. And this was a game that, in my opinion, was very sloppy from the Rangers. Their passes didn't connect. You know, uh, it just it just felt unorganized and 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 messy. But they still get the win in the end. Um, and then they move on to Carolina, you know. And and Carolina was the game where I really wanted to play Shashjorkin. If you're going to ask me to play Shashjorkin in one of these two back-to-back games, I would have picked the Carolina game. Absolutely. Absolutely because we saw what happened last
1: time Carolina and the Rangers well, matched
0: up, right? Not not because of that, but I would always play my best goalie against division rivals because those are the teams you were competing with for seeding.
1: True. That's fair. If,
0: if 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 you would have told me we go one-on-one over the weekend, which game do you want to win? I want to win the game against my division rival because that directly impacts our chances on getting home ice advantage in the playoffs. Agreed. But uh Galan went with Georgiev, and the day before the trade deadline, there was a lot of talk about will this be Georgiev's final game as a Ranger. Um, and going up against the Carolina Hurricanes team that absolutely dominated for 60 minutes. I'll say, on. one thing, though. I'll say one thing. The Rangers passing, when they had possession, they didn't have much possession, but when they had possession, I feel the Rangers played in possession a better game than against Tampa. The problem is that they didn't have a lot of possession. Um, Carolina Hurricanes got 44 shots on goal. Georgiev saved all of them for a shutout. And I want to quickly call this out. This is the most saves in a shutout win by a Rangers goalie ever. Wow. The only goalie who had more saves in a shutout was Henrik Lundqvist, who had 45 saves. I think it was in 2010. But that game was lost in a shootout
1: that's crazy i mean yes. look when i looked at this game for georgia especially it was one of those things where it just felt fitting especially in the scenario where the rangers were going to trade him with all these rumblings i'm like if this is his send-off then by god he couldn't have went out at any higher than what he did that yeah. ended up not being the case of course but mm-hmm. just what I mean he again he just he went on his Henrik Lundqvist shit to put it lightly. Hank yeah. always dominated Carolina even in the latter half of his career. And we saw Hank S type shutout here by Georgiev and just yeah. a one-sided game and it wasn't even and you hard. know um
0: the shots. Uh, Martin Neches and Jordan Stahl had six shots on goal each. Yeah, Sebastian Ajo and Ethan Bear and Derek Stepan had four each. Uh, Seth Jarvis and Gaspier Kotkaniemi had three each. Um, so the shots came from the players that as a Carolina Hurricanes fan, you want to get the shots, but Georgiev shut it down. You know, he didn't allow any goals and then half like late in the second period, Chris Kreider gets his 41st of the season, assisted by Jacob Truba and Alexei Lafreniere. That's three games in a row with an assist for Lafreniere at that point. Um, and then with the, with the goalie pulled, uh, Frank Vetrano, Frank the Tank, gets his first goal as a Ranger, uh, assisted by Mika Zibanejad. And even though Chris Kreider didn't get an assist on this goal, I think Chris Kreider was instrumental to this. And you could tell by the celebration. Vetrano went over to Kreider, hugged him, and it was like a proud dad moment for Kreider. Did you tell notice me, that? You? he's
1: been a lot more accustomed to in recent years, right? It feels Chris like he's Kreider. always been like a proud dad.
0: Listen, this is not because he scored 40-plus goals this season. I've said this. You know this. I've said this for the last couple of years. Chris Kreider is the leader on this team. Absolutely. Chris Kreider is the guy that, that takes players into their, into his home, that, that uh, invites prospects to Connecticut over the summer to work out with him. He is the leader of this team. He's just not wearing a C, but he is a captain in every other way. In, he's in every way except wearing that letter on his jersey. He's, and he's it won't be long until career. he's wearing that letter on that jersey. I don't think. It, exactly, look, look. I don't think. I don't think there's any other player that makes sense at the moment. Do you want to go a fifth season without a captain?
1: No, I mean, there's just no point not to have one right now when you clearly have everything that defines as a captain on yeah. your roster.
0: And I'm also, I'm also, look, I don't want six ultimate captains. Oh yeah, of course, of course not. How ridiculous is it that an original six franchise has more alternate captains than Stanley Cup wins? That That's that's no utterly point. ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Six alternate captains, way too many. Um, but yeah, Chris Kreider is the leader of this team. I, I will fight anyone on this. He is the leader of this team. He's the captain, de facto captain, without wearing the letter. The way Henrik Lundqvist was the real captain of the New York Rangers. Henrik Lundqvist was the real leader of the Rangers the last decade he was in New York. Um. But yeah, a good win for the Rangers, good result. It wasn't a good game. It wasn't pretty. But damn, 2-0 against the Carolina Hurricanes gets the Rangers their 40th win of the season.
1: My, my only gripe that I have with this game, and I think it's quite obvious, is that this just was the continued narrative of how the Rangers play against the Hurricanes more often than not. It's been like this for quite a bit now. Well, they just, they're just they getting completely dominated. The thing Absolutely is, we, 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 dominated.
0: Dominated, we dominated the Hurricanes for two decades.
1: Uh, no, no, no. I'm not saying we didn't. Now, I, uh, that doesn't mean shit. I'm, fo- I'm focused yeah. on the now. I'm focused on this yeah. team. You know what I mean? I know yeah. the Rangers actually had the best record versus any other team in the Metro, that being Carolina, for a very long period of time. And then, yeah. of course, they parted with Jeff Skinner. And then when they started to do their retool, that's where everything started to change. But, yeah. yeah, no, look, I admire the hell out of Carolina. I always say this. They are such a fun team. They're so balanced. They know exactly what they're doing. And just awfully similar to the Colorado Avalanche. They just – they just, their game is just on such another level between the yeah. depth on their roster and the chemistry they have. It's so hard yeah. to match up. And they even got better. They even got if, better at the listen, trade deadline.
0: If, if the Stanley Cup final turns out to be the Colorado Avalanche against the Carolina Hurricanes, I know this never happens because alternate jerseys, I think, are not allowed in the playoffs, but I would love to see both their reverse retro jerseys where we see the, the Quebec Nordiques logo against the Hartford Whalers oh, logo. Stanley Cup final.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't happen, but
0: that'd be just, sick. Just for one game, you know, give us that. Give, give the people that remember these two teams fondly for their amazing logos, for their history and impact to hockey as a sport. Give us that one game in the Stanley Cup Finals if it gets to that. Oh, man, that will be awesome. But, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes are a really good team, and uh, we managed to beat them in their own house. But, yeah, like I said, it wasn't pretty. And Georgiev deserves every bit of credit he was given that day.
1: 1,000%. Again, yeah. uh, we've like normal, we've had our ups and downs with Georgiev all season long. He has not been at fault for every game in which it's been a defensive collapse for the Rangers. We've been fully aware of that. And he also has been at fault for games. But with saying that this was easily not just his best start of the season, one of his, one of, if not his best of his entire career. Normally when he stands out, he just has these anomaly of a game where he just, he, he just, again, he looks like Henrik reincarnated with the type of I have to say though,
0: when Shostjorkin went out with injury against the Sharks back in early December, and Georgiev took over as the starter for a couple of solid. weeks. He was, he was solid. He was great. I think he had like a 9.35 save percentage in like yeah. a 10-game span. He single-handedly <laughs> kept us in the playoffs. And yep. and he gets a lot of crap. He gets a lot of negative uh, comments thrown at him for for not being, you know, openly happy when Shostyorkin gets a win. Look, maybe he's just that type of person. Yeah, I don't know if there are issues in the locker room or if it's just him being a closed person, you know, he, he's a Russian kid, you know, with Bulgarian roots who grew up in Finland. Uh, This isn't a kid that, you know, that, that grew up in, in, in New York or, you know, that, that from a very young age was always like the loudest player on the team. You know, he's not, he's just not that type of person. Look, he, he played a really good game against Carolina hurricanes and we'll get into the deadline. Now they didn't get any return for him. So he's going to be with us for the remainder of the season. Let's just support the guy when he's in that for us.
1: Yeah. No, I I'm, as long as he's a New York Ranger, I'm never going to not support him. Same yeah. with anyone. Even if I don't love the player on the team, by God, if he's in the lineup, I'm rooting for him. Do I despise yeah. Patrick Nemeth at times? Yes, I do. But
0: am I going to root for him while he's playing? Absolutely. No, listen, I want him listen, to thrive. No.
1: Like, he's a New York I, Ranger.
0: <laughs> so, I criticize Patrick Nemeth more than anyone else. <laughs> but I will never root for him to play a bad game.
1: Yeah. That, it just – it's so stupid. That's rooting against your own team at the end of the day. You know, us fans have to bite the bullet. We have to deal with what we have to deal with, you know, whoever's out there is, is whoever's out there. All we can do as fans is one hope for the best and support them. And if they don't go right, then it just further proves our reasoning as to why we don't want them in the lineup or Mm -hmm. why we don't like them as a player, but it doesn't change the fact that we all should be supporting them as long as they're playing. Like, you know, it's just, it's just silly to think otherwise. Um, Mm -hmm. But Let's get into the, the main reason why I know a lot of you guys are watching the episode. We're just under halfway through into the podcast, and this is what we're gonna be talking a good amount on before we get into of course um the, the game, game against the devils. But the Rangers made a splash, and when we saw that first move was Justin Braun for I believe it was was it this year's 20 uh was it this year's third round pick or was it next, next year? year's
0: a third round pick in 2023 and I'm going to say this before we get into Braun, Mott, and Cobb. I really loved what Drew did this deadline, this trade deadline. He did exactly what we wanted, Stephen. Exactly. We've been talking about this for months. What I wanted was to shore up the bottom six without giving up main assets. And he did exactly that. Um, I didn't want us to give up a first-round pick, which we gave up a conditional first-round pick, which I'll explain later why I yeah. why I yeah. have no problem with it. But Braun for a third-round pick in 2023, see, the reason I love that move is because it's a 2023 third-round pick. It's it's next year's draft. A third-round pick is easy to recoup in the offseason. You can that's, trade a that's player that, yep. that's RFA. You can trade a depth player maybe. You, you can maybe even get a third-round pick for Patrick Nemeth. Who knows? But a third-round pick in next year's draft – I don't care about because that's the type of pick that you can recoup in the offseason in 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 multiple ways. Um, but yeah, Justin Braun, um, experienced guy, he played with Mark Edward Vlasic in San Jose for many years. Yeah, his prime years were with the Sharks, and then he's been and, with uh, the past and three. There are people who say that when Braun left the Sharks, it coincided with Vlasic sort of regressing, and it's not. It's not out of the question that Braun was actually the, the main reason Vlasic was playing so well. Of course, Vlasic is a very talented defenseman, don't get me wrong, but it happens sometimes where, you know, a really good defenseman loses his partner and and he just turns into a different player. Um, Braun was probably what Braun was to Vlasic, what Lindgren is to Fox, if that makes sense. Yes. Yep. And, I think and that's the way it, of putting it. And, they got an experienced defenseman for this defensive core, because let's be honest, I don't count the 2020 qualifying round as the playoffs. I know the NHL does, but I don't count it as playoff experience. You know, Fox, Lindgren, Miller, uh, Schneider, Lundquist, Jones, zero NHL playoff games. So what you're left with is Nemeth and Truba. That's just that's not enough. I understand why Drury went out and got Justin Braun, who played, I think, over a hundred playoff games. I think he played the most playoff games over the last five or six seasons of any player in the league. Really? Because the sharks were were, were always in the playoffs. They were always in the hunt. You know, they made yep. the Stanley cup final in was it 2017? 2016,
1: 2017, one
0: of the two. One of them was the Predators, the other one was the Sharks. I always yeah. forget because they were both beaten by the penguins yeah um but they made it to the stanley cup final the sharks were actually the most successful team in that era to never win a cup and the rangers were in second place right behind them you know they won the most playoff games by any team not winning a cup not lifting the stanley cup and brown was an integral part to that team's defense so yeah you get an experienced guy who's right-handed and from what i've read i I haven't seen a lot from of justin brown over the years but from what I've read, he plays both sides, so there is an opportunity where he plays with Schneider. In which case, I'll refer to that defensive pairing as the German pairing.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> but I think it's more likely that we see Nemeth and Braun in the playoffs because Gallant really wants experience on the blue I line. Know. And and that, we can and that... argue, we can argue about it because we both know that that neither of us agree with it, but. And and I
1: think that devils game speaks for itself. We're not in there yet, we're gonna talk about it briefly, but we all know exactly how that game faltered yeah. and exactly what well we're seeing
0: the issues this, defensively. This, this trade deadline. If I didn't know any better, I thought Jacob Truba was making the calls.
1: I'm glad you said that. Let, let me take it from here, Steven. So, yeah, most of you guys know this already, but Jacob Truba basically has a connection with everyone that the Rangers have acquired from Frank Vitrano that he's known going back, you know, literally years to Tyler Mott, Justin Braun to, to I think, a, a distant uh, just because of the college they went to. And, of course, Andrew Kopp. It's hilarious how they've all kind of been connected because they're all University of Michigan guys, I believe, and especially for Andrew Kopp. He's oh, Brown is
0: actually uh University of Massachusetts, like like Okay, France, so he, He's
1: he's the one that is is separate from yeah. the rest. But for the yeah, most so you part, have
0: you have truba, mott, and cop who went to Michigan, and then okay. you have Braun, Jones, and Vitrano who went to uh, UMass.
1: Oh, okay, okay, I gotcha. Uh, but either way, I do know that of course we saw Vitrano's connection with uh Truba. Truba has his connection with Mott, and Mott and Cop are really close, and cop. Has been playing hockey with Truba since he was 10 years of age, and he said that when, of course, Truba got traded to Winnipeg, uh, pardon me, from Winnipeg, that was the first time in his career that he was without him. So it just it felt like weird. And Truba uh, credits himself for the reason why Cop is an NHLer, which Mm -hmm. I absolutely love. But it is it is kind of funny how they have those connections. Um, There's nothing really read into it, but I just chemistry wise, it's definitely not a bad thing. And for the players that were available and.
0: Before we get it to Andrew Cobb, and again, it's, it's it's also it's also not the first time the Rangers are doing this, you know. Yeah. Um no, Vitrano right. Vitrano played with Adam Fox at the World Championships. Yep. Uh Lindgren and Fox played together at the uh uh US N T D P the National Team Development Program. They played together in World Juniors, they played together with Patrick Kodorenko, who was an undrafted free agent signing two years uh, two years ago by the Rangers, who's now in Hartford with the Wolfpack. These connections, and maybe it's just that hockey is such a small world, but these connections are everywhere, you know, and and cop, Mott, um, Vetrano, they all have a connection with Jacob Truba, who is one of the leaders of this team. Yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like those moves already, but that added element definitely sticks out to me.
1: It sticks out because it just makes the, the transition easier for them versus mm-hmm. going into a locker room and not knowing and, anyone outside of being an opponent against them. It just it's, it's a slight it's, edge
0: that doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's like they're 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 putting together almost like a brotherhood instead of a team.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a great way of putting it. But again, Braun, 35 years of age, still has um I'm trying to think if he's a UFA after this season. I yes I think he is so. yeah, um, yeah, he has three mil, uh three point eight mil on his cap hit right now or three to 3.8. One of the two yeah. Um. actually I could be wrong. Pardon me. I am wrong. My mistake. Um. He has 1.8 million as his cap hit. And then yeah. he will be a UFA after the season's end. But mm-hmm. that was one of three moves the Rangers made at the deadline, of course. And the other one that stood out was Tyler Mott. That was an interesting one because Mott has been known for being this really gritty forward, of course, playing in the bomb six for Vancouver. The Canucks fans absolutely love the guy from everything that I've seen. He's been Pretty solid for them, you know, had around 15 points for them this season and has definitely been steady when they've dealt with their injuries or, you know, anything that they've been dealing with COVID-wise. But Mott now comes to the Rangers and I the Rangers only gave up what a fifth round pick for him? Was that the case? Uh, fourth, a fourth round pick. Okay. See, this is why I gotta confirm. And I think this
0: was also a fourth round, it was also a pick in 2023. So again, you're giving up a pick that you can recoup in the offseason uh this is the beauty of it look look at last season for instance last offseason you trade away Brett Howden for a fourth round pick that's how you recoup assets in the off season after you've traded them away for another player you know I know it's di- more difficult with a first round pick and it's also a little bit tricky with a second rounder but once you get to the third round and 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 beyond you know those picks are easy to come by so this, By the way, the Seattle Kraken have 25 draft picks in the next two drafts combined. 25.
1: Have, my goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, the
0: Montreal Canadiens only have 19.
1: Only 19. <laughs> only 19.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are deals to be made in the offseason. I'm not worried about draft picks in 2023. Tyler Mall good addition for the fourth line. Sort of a contingency plan, in my opinion, in, in case they don't hold on to Kevin Rooney. If Kevin Rooney wants... Too much, too much money, or if he wants to go somewhere else, who knows? But it's nice to have options. And, and
1: is only he's an RFA after the season. He's only twenty seven. He plays both, both. No, wins. no.
0: He's if he's twenty seven, he's UFA. You sure? Yes.
1: Okay, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. Yeah. My apologies. You it's be because RFA. of how cap friendly is set up. I yeah. go bottom to the bottom, and it says RFA. But if you go up, it says UFA. Yeah, so it lists
0: all the contracts, and then it has the current contract at the top. Yes,
1: that's why I was getting thrown off. Thank you. Okay. Um,
0: But, yeah, I'm I'm just going to jump right in because I know you have a lot to say about Andrew Cobb, so I want to get my thoughts in first. Go ahead. The trade of the day for the Rangers, Andrew Cobb for a second-round pick, a conditional first-round pick, and Morgan Barron. Now, I'll start off with Morgan Barron because I know Ranger fans were not – super pleased with baron being part of the trade but let's be honest morgan baron is is a really fun prospect to follow sixth round pick the fact that he got an, an entry-level contract is already an achievement for a sixth round pick but at best he's a third line center you gave up a potential third line center and some picks for a guy who is going to be at least a third line center for you maybe more Yes, And what I mean by maybe more is that Cobb is a potential cheaper alternative if they cannot reach an agreement with Rinstrom. Bingo. But Cobb, uh, again, you know connections with Jacob Truba, connections with Tyler Mott, uh, played for University of Michigan, uh, same university Jed Ortmeier went to, who's part of our player play who's a director of player development for the Rangers. So there are, again, you know, there are links there. um, But I think cop, this deal was a good deal for the Rangers. And the conditional first, here's why I don't have a problem with it. Because I've been very adamant that I don't want to give up first-round picks. I don't want to give up guaranteed first-round picks. The condition here is it becomes a first-round pick if the Rangers reach the Eastern Conference Final and cop plays at least 50% of the games in the postseason. Now, if we make it to the Eastern Conference Final, that means it's at best a 29th overall pick. That's basically a second rounder. What exactly. I didn't want, what I didn't want to happen, was we give up a first round pick, and then it's a first round exit for us, and we give up like a 16th or, or 17th overall pick because the difference between 17th and 29th is only 12 spots, but in 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 the NHL draft, that's huge. You know, because if it, if it falls off quick when you get to the second half of the first round. Um, so I love this. If the Rangers give up the first round pick, it means they got to the third round of the playoffs, which is amazing experience for this young, inexperienced team when it comes to playoff hockey. Um, <clears throat> and if Andrew Cobb is the reason we got there, I'm, I'm more than willing to part with a first round pick this year.
1: It was perfect. The fact that it had that type of condition, as you were yes. saying, and it reminded me a little bit of the conditions on Matt Zuccarello's trade when we dealt him to Dallas. Of course, he got hurt in that first game, but the yeah. conditions were that could lead up to one of those picks to a first rounder if they either, I think, went to the Stanley Cup or just something deep in playoffs like that. Well, first, it was
0: it was a it was a second round pick that would turn into a first round pick if yeah. they made it to the conference finals and Zuccarello played at least fifty percent of the games. And then we got a third-round pick that would turn into a first if they signed him to an extension. And neither of those things happened. <laughs> that second condition is no longer allowed under the current CBA. They yeah. they made some alterations. Uh, draft pick conditions cannot be tied to a player signing an extension because uh, I think it's, it's, it's very close to tampering at that point. But uh, performance-based conditional picks are still very much a thing which is what we did here with Andrew Cobb. And, you know, Cobb is a guy that I'm pretty sure you have the numbers on your screen. What, what does he have, 35 points?
1: Yeah, Cobb so far this season, 35 points in 56 games, 13 goals, 22 assists prior to his first game with the Rangers. And yeah. last season, again, this is where he stood out, and this is where my eyes start open with him. 2019-2020 is where I started paying a little bit more attention to him with Winnipeg, but an increased role last year. In the shortened pandemic season, fifty-five games, thirty-nine points, fifteen goals, twenty-four assists. Now, Cop is so damn interesting. I love this pickup again. I, I cannot stop raving about this, and it's nice that he obviously had a good debut for the Rangers in the game against the Devils. One of the few bright spots in the game, but for the most two part, assists. Kopp,
0: two assists in his first game as a Ranger.
1: Exactly, and we'll get into that truly. But Cop, twenty-seven years of age, someone who uh, is is in fact, uh, let's see, he is a UFA after this season, but. I would fully imagine that the Rangers plan to bring him back, especially for what they gave up, even though it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. first round picks per se, still a good amount. I, I expect the, I expect cop and the Rangers reach an agreement. I do think that to a certain extent, him having that familiarity with Truba and others is only going to increase the likelihood of him staying, even if it's a bridge deal or whatever they reach an agreement on. But cop, again, someone that felt that he was destined to leave Winnipeg with the direction, the ups and downs they've had this season now willing to pay him and I just love this move for the Rangers. You get someone that can play at the center position, plays both the wings, but he prefers center. He made that public this season. He was going into uh, that game. He was around 53, 54% on face-offs throughout his career. He's been above 50% on face-offs. That's something the Rangers desperately yeah. need because of the yeah. fact that they can't win faceoffs for the most part, cop, what is he known for at least from this season, especially from advanced numbers I've seen is that he has been a special teams, not a merchant, but a guy that definitely, thrives on special teams power play and can help you out PK defensively. There has been a slight decline the past couple years, but isn't because of necessarily the fact that he can't play, but rather how his utilization has been in an increased offensive role for Winnipeg these past two years. So he has that ability to really be a Swiss army knife. You can play him all over the line and can give you plenty of defensive upside. Again, was very strong. With his defensive numbers up until these past two years, but you see the difference was, is that, he took away some of that defensive game because he knew that the offense was more important and to really take his game to another level, which, of course, has made him into the player that he is right now. But, mm-hmm. cop, I and just love this pickup for the Rangers, to put it lightly. The, I really don't do. Don't forget
0: about the Drury connection. Yeah, don't – exactly. You got it
1: on the Drury connection.
0: Because Andrew call played for Team USA at the 2017 World Championships where Chris Drury was the was the assistant general manager for Team USA. Yeah, so, it's, it's
1: little things like that that definitely can help go along the way when it comes to player evaluation. Yeah. I mean, naturally, if Drury has been able to spend the time prior, especially years ago where, you know, saw cop where he was then to where he is now. I mean, there's been plenty of progression. But, again, to kind of wrap things up on the Rangers and their acquisitions, getting into this, unfortunately, horrendous Devils game, was that the Rangers did exactly what, at least for myself and Steven, what we wanted them to do. Look, Cabo Caco, Kevin Rooney, they should hopefully be back sometime in early April. That's what they're shooting for right now, and that's going to make this lineup all that more deeper, but for a Rangers team that's basically been playing with the AHL caliber bottom six for a good portion of the season, now they add this critical depth where you can have Cop as your third-line center, can play right, can play left, however you want to utilize him. Vetrano gives you that top-nine depth as well with plenty of speed on the wing. And then you, of course, get Tyler Mott, who I think is really going to be a fan favorite sooner than later, given his ability. And just not the fact that he's just a gritty fourth-line guy, but he really can do a lot of different things for you and isn't afraid to get in those corners. So the Rangers are really getting more balanced here. Justin Braun, of course, gives them more defensive depth. I don't love mm-hmm. Justin Braun, you know, but I do think he has a little bit of an edge on Patrick Nemeth. Either way, I would still like to see a Braden Schneider get some playing time. We'll see exactly how much or how little he will yeah. for the remainder of the season. But all in all, I think this yeah, is a perfect deadline for the
0: Rangers. And Tyler Mott's acquisition is also—I uh, mean, I guess—I guess that's a good reason. Neil Longquist didn't go with number sixty-four.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Yeah, because he would—he uh, would have had to
0: give it up anyway. Um, yeah. The one trade we didn't mention yet because it's basically a minor league trade, but I do want to touch on it quickly. Um, we yeah, had a go trade ahead. with the San Jose Sharks, Anthony Betetto, who's UFA this upcoming uh, summer. We traded him to the San Jose Sharks for Nick Merkley. Now Merkley is an interesting case. Um, you know, he was a first-round pick. Was it back in 2015 or 2016? Um, really talented player, just didn't really have the career progression that you would have wanted from a from a from a late first-round pick. I think 30th overall, but the talent is there. Uh, and again, you know, we talk about familiarity in hockey. Uh, One of the Ranger scouts, Kim Gellert, was uh, the development coach in Kelowna for the Kelowna Rockets when Merkley played there in his draft year. So I'd have to think that that kind of familiarity also plays a part. You know, as a development coach working with a player for a full year, you get a much better feel for someone's personality, someone's challenges, someone's willingness to compete and maybe an explanation to why those struggles were there once he got to the pros, Um, more so than you would do as a scout who just watches a couple of games and does a combine interview with a kid. Um, Now, I didn't follow the combine as closely as I do now, so I'm not sure if Nick Merkley was interviewed by the Rangers back then, but I do know from conversations I've had with people in the Rangers organization and in other organizations and at the draft in Vancouver that a lot of teams... Interview players, and even if they don't get them at the draft, you know they still keep those those you know those notes on record. Um, And then years down the line, if a player becomes available, you already have that that information, you know, uh, on your desk that you might need to make a quick decision. I think this was a no brainer trade. Even if Nick Merkley doesn't doesn't turn into anything, you gave up Anthony Beteta, who's gonna be who was gonna be a free agent at the end of the season anyway.
1: Exactly, you got you got something for nothing.
0: Yeah, and then the final thing I want to touch on before we quickly review the Devil's game is the uh, undrafted free agent signing we made last week.
1: Yeah, go ahead. I, I completely forgot about that, so I'm glad you uh, mentioned it. Brandon
0: Scanlon plays for the uh, University of Omaha, Nebraska in the NCAA. Um, as I said, undrafted defenseman, left-handed, big guy, um, plays with a little bit of an edge. So uh, Ranger fans will love that. Uh, But he was a a well-sought-after player. Um, He spoke to a lot of NHL teams. He was given a two-year ELC by the Rangers. And uh, um, the contract kicks in. They do a similar thing to what they did with Zach Jones last year, even though Zach Jones was our draft pick. Uh, But to get it over the line, um, and to beat out other teams, you allow the contract to kick in now. So he gets a signing bonus now, and then he gets another signing bonus in June. He's an RFA in 2023. Um, and the fact that he was so sought after by by many teams in the NHL leads me to believe that that this player definitely has NHL upside. Uh, he'll start in Hartford, but yeah, uh, bateto leaving uh, perfectly ties in with that too. Because... You know, you have to you have to make make room for a player like that anyway. Uh, but yeah, it, intriguing signing for sure. Um, not really a program that I'm familiar with um, uh, in in the NCAA, uh, University of Nebraska. But um, definitely an interesting, interesting signing. And I would have to look it up, but I, I think I think he's only like the third or fourth University of Nebraska alum to ever play for the Rangers. Really, I didn't know that yeah so yeah no, undrafted free agent signings are low risk and potential high reward look at neil pionk and yep. Neil people might not play for the rangers anymore we still got our value out of them so yeah it's that's, um, that's fair we to here.
1: okay well let's let's get into uh the final game out of the games you know once uh pardon me game 61 to 64 and that was the devil's game and it, we had everyone in the lineup. You know, Gerard Gallant had Andrew Coppin in there. He had Coppin, in. He had Tyler Mott and Justin Braun. Of course, Schneider was out defensively to have Braun on the right side of that third pair. We had saw Tyler Mott, of course, in, of course, in that bottom six and Andrew Copp as well. Um, and yeah, I just got to start off by saying that I really liked what I saw from Andrew Kopp. Uh from the, from the Ranger acquisitions in themselves, I thought that they looked good. Um, didn't love what I saw necessarily from Justin Braun. Um, and didn't, didn't love at all what I saw from that pairing as a whole. But before we get into the negatives in this game, it did start off positive, right? You know, the Rangers got off to early goal scoring. Feels like every time that advantage is playing the devil, especially in Prudential Center, good things happen. He scored his 26th of the season, and it was assisted by Kreider's 16th Apple and Lafreniere's ninth assist. That would give Laffy his, uh, pardon me his fourth assist and has many games for the Rangers, but a little assist streak going. And Lafayette's the reason why that goal entirely happened, you know, with what he was doing in that offensive zone and then Kreider uh, to get a shot off and then the rebound for Zibanejad. Um, So I really liked what I saw from Lafayette early in this one. I loved what I saw from the Rangers early in this one, but again, it was the fact that it stayed early and it was not consistent to put it lightly. I think we've seen that trend for the Rangers over these past couple of weeks throughout the entire month of March where they were just giving up a plethora of goals in a very short period of time, and they just can't seem to catch up. You know that from the games that you were at in Minnesota and St. Louis, respectively. But then the second goal of the game, still in the first period, was by Adam Fox, a nice goal. His 10th of the year, assisted by Zemanjad, his, his 39th Apple, and Cop, his first point as a New York Ranger, his 23rd assist of the season. But, but how he- did he get
0: his point? How did he get his point? Let's, let's, let's quickly dive into this one for, oh, go ahead, for like, 10 seconds. He wins the face off in the offensive zone. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what we wanted. You know, that's exactly what we needed.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 damn refreshing to have a player yeah. like Andrew Cotton. He Not was starting the a agility, shift, but he can win face-offs. Yeah. It feels he was good. starting
0: a shift in in, in Kreider's spot with Zabanajan and Lafreniere just to win the face-off. And and it turns into in, he wins the face-off, it gets to to Lafreniere and then, uh, uh was it Lafreniere? Who, who no, f- sorry, Fox. Fox at the other assist, right? Um, uh, Fox for the, uh, um, Fox had the goal, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the puck gets his advantage and then to Fox, and Fox, great shot, right? Roofs it diagonally, perfect. But yeah, that was exactly what we wanted from Andrew Cobb, and he delivered like, like eight minutes into his Rangers career. So, that was great to see.
1: And then that, that, that's all, that's all, that's all folks, you know, that's, that's you,
0: what it, happened. I think the you, second you could, period didn't happen, you know, no,
1: no. Okay. The, the Rangers won two nothing, you know, no. but <laughs> the unfortunate reality is that the Rangers just, they collapsed so hard in that second period, which led to the demise of Igor Shosturkin gained yeah. hold. And this one for Georgiev, it could have been even worse. There was a offside goal that uh, was challenged by Golan mm-hmm. was called back. They didn't change anything. However, I was thinking, okay, Four two at that point. Maybe the Rangers are going to get some momentum going because they got a call on their side. Nope, nope. I, I mean, well, it, not, it was ridiculous.
0: Kreider missed. Kreider missed on a breakaway.
1: Yeah, he did miss on a breakaway. And the Rangers just, there's, I'm not even going to deep dive how they happened. I'm going to just tell you that we all know that they did happen. Rangers gave up five goals in the second period, starting off with Ryan. Second time Graves, the, second the time. Former season. New York Ranger. Second
0: Let's time the season they gave up five goals in a period. Do you just, remember the? Do you remember the other game it happened? You, you were at one of those games. No, thank no, God. you weren't?
1: No, Okay. No. Were the Rangers give a five in, in a, a period? period. In a period.
0: It was the home game against the Colorado Avalanche where Adam Huska was in. That oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. First goal.
1: Yep. Yeah, that wasn't fun. No. Nope. But, yeah, this one wasn't fun either. Ryan Graves, sixth of the year. Shortly after that, P.K. Subban's fifth of the year. Dawson Mercer, who's having great work a great rookie year, his 16th of the year, assisted by Ryan Graves, no less. Tomas Tatar, his 12th of the year. And then uh, Igor um, Sharangovich Shir- got himself his 16th of the year. And man, oh man, 5-2, heading into the third period. And that's really all she wrote. The Rangers tried to crawl themselves back in. Strom got himself his 15th of the year, you know, shortly into the third period, assisted by his 57th apple and Lindgren's 8th apple of the year. Jack Hughes, however, again, just... Piss poor defense, not just in the second, but in the third. I mean, Hughes was just weaving through the Rangers D like it didn't even matter, especially on that power play goal. His 20th of the year assisted by Heisher. And then he was again his 21st. This, he, Jack Hughes has had some damn good games against the Rangers, unfortunately. Yeah. His 21st assisted by Sharon Govich. And, and that, that, uh, was, that was
0: two goals in 70 seconds, too.
1: And it, it just, it, there was just a complete lack of effort in this one. I mean, yeah. defensively, he looked horrid. The, the Nemeth pairing, I was not a fan of at all. I did not like, of course, have some of the PK. The PK, especially in the Jack Hughes goal, was just ridiculous. I mean, it, it was not fun to watch at all. And then Chris Kreider scores a power play goal. Um, a little staff hat, if you will, just to make things nice for him and his goal scoring. Um, doing what he normally does, 42nd of the year, assisted by cop. Cop on the power play, gets his first power play assist for the Rangers, 24th overall of the year, and Fox gets 54th to Apple. But Rangers lose that one seven to four. And man, oh man, this was a game where I, I can't sit here and blame everything on Igor because it was a, a, by all means, it was piss poor defensively. Same thing with Georgiev, just just a complete lack of effort and a complete loss for the game after getting that really, you know, two goal, to, two goal lead in the first period. It, yeah. it just a complete collapse.
0: But it was the third game in two weeks where Shishurov gave up four goals or more, and it's
1: so it pisses me off that we're saying that. A lot of that isn't his fault either, and of course, no. I, I think he'll be fine, Vesna. No. But I mean, the guy has been on a heart pace this year, and of he, course, this has to happen to
0: him now. So this is why I, I think he should still be the MVP candidate. He has a couple of bad games statistically, and his save percentage drops from nine four two to nine three five. Uh, if Austin Matthews doesn't score a goal for three games, nobody talks about him no longer being an MVP candidate. He can score a hat trick in the fourth game and everything will be fine. But goalies, goalie numbers, especially save percentage, they're so fragile, and it sucks, you know. And I think he's down now to 935 or 936. But he's at
1: 936, and I think yeah. he's at 214 goals allowed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, this this game was just a lack of effort. Um, I I kind of blame golan too because the Rangers gave up two goals in, in a minute 18 seconds. At the, you know in the second period if I'm Gallant and you give up two two quick goals there that's where you call a time
1: yeah I, I agree especially that's when you collapse so quick like that and
0: and I praised him for what he did against Tampa but at the same time if I praise him for that I have to criticize him for this
1: and and especially yeah. with how he utilized Lafreniere Laffy was one of the yeah. best forwards for the Rangers yeah. in this one yeah and I'll, I'll, I'll
0: I'll get into that I'll defend Gallant a little bit on that in a second but you know, uh, they scored two goals in a minute 18 and then a couple of minutes later they scored two goals in 45 seconds and then in the third period they scored two goals in a minute 10 seconds like six of their seven goals came in batches that were very quick one after another um and that's the thing that frustrates me the most because what you want to see your team do is when they can see the goal is to regroup you know don't let it happen again um and this game it just it just didn't gel um but look the third period uh lafreniere was benched uh cop was put up on the top line with Kreider and zabanejad and as much as i hate it i kind of have to give it to gallant if you want to experiment with your new players you might as well do it in a game that's already over you know you go into the third period down five two after giving up five five straight goals yeah um as much as we don't want players or coaches to give up. Yeah. Galar just threw the towel in the ring and, and decided to experiment a little bit with players here or there. I rather have him do it in this game than on Friday when, when we play the penguins, because that game is crucial for our playoff seating and home ice advantage. So Steven,
1: if there is I, any positive to take away from this blowout and I mean, blowout with the New Jersey devils, it's that the exact same shit happened with the Penguins, and then look at how they performed against the Rangers that next game not that's, all that long that's ago. That's true. That's this, true. Look now, up. this is the vibe that I'm getting. Yeah. Rangers there need to get smacked around by the Devils. Now we're yeah. going to go play Pittsburgh at home, play a good tight game. You know, mm-hmm. this was a wake-up call. That, there that's are how I'm some, gonna look. Work.
0: There are some bright spots in this game despite the 7-4 loss. Um, Lafreniere, a four-game assist streak. Andrew Cobb getting two points in his first game as a Ranger, which – I think, but I'd have to check. I think it's the best Rangers debut by a trade deadline acquisition since Derek Broussard in 2013, who had a goal and three assists as against the Penguins. Yeah.
1: And it's funny, it's funny how there's similarities with Broussard when Cop oh, yes. as a player, too. Oh, there are yes. those similarities with that acquisition. So I, it, I it would not be, I would not be like shocked.
0: That. I would not be shocked if Andrew Cop turns into a top six center in New York.
1: I won't be shocked either, and I just love it. I love the fact that it gives the Rangers versatility. Now, look, I know that you have been a heavy advocate for you know Ryan Strome is, isn't going anywhere, right? You know we're gonna we're gonna sign him to a new deal. He deserves it. But having said that, if the Rangers do find themselves not wanting to rekindle that relationship with Strom, mm-hmm. they are in safer hands than they were a couple of days ago, and there's no denying yeah. that.
0: So, no, true, true. And if they can if they can convince Ryan Strome to sign a Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Joel Erickson Eck type deal, where you sign him for eight years at a lower cap hit, let's say 4.8 million for eight years. And you sign Andrew Cobb for five million. That's basically nine million for your 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 middle six centers. That's not much different than paying seven million for your second line center and two mil, two point five million for your third line center. Which was going to be the scenario anyway if we signed Strong to an extension and held on to Heedle. So it gives Drury options, which is nice. Um, the, other, the last thing I want to call out about this game is the Kreider goal at the end. Um, he does it again. It's unbelievable. 42nd goal of the season. And the reason this was special to me is because, as you know, I've been tracking his progress throughout the season – you know, where does he rank after certain number of games in goals scored in franchise history and power play goals in franchise history? But I want to call out the fact that Chris Kreider now holds the record for most goals in a single Ranger season by one of her own draft picks, surpassing Steve Vickers, who held the record for 47 years with 41 goals. 1940, 1974-75, Steve Vickers had 41 goals in 80 games and chris Kreider scored his 42nd in a 64th game so wow. he's owned and what well, really uh, i need to mention this because hopefully this is the last time i'm going to mention this guy's name on our podcast we're two points away from retiring the talk about tony Amonti. chris Kreider is on 58 points if he gets two more points we no longer have to talk about how Tony Amonti is the last Rangers forward draft pick to get sixty points for us, and that was in '93. So, please, Chris, two more points. He's going to get
1: there. I mean, look, I said that Chris was still on the season with forty-five goals. He still needs at least three points for that oh, to happen, right? So,
0: another fun creative step before we wrap it up uh, with you know the questions and this and that. Chris Kreider is one of only two players in Rangers history to score at least 40 goals while having 20 or fewer assists in a single season.
1: The other sounds, one was Mike Gardner. Like a goal scorer would do, right?
0: <laughs> the other one was Mike Gardner in the early nineties who had yep. 40 plus goals. And I think he, he had like a 19 or 20 assists. So that's, that's, I mean, it's not a meaningful stat. It's just a fun stat, but.
1: That is fun stat. And. I think that's a perfect segue now for the people that are watching the live stream as we just hit over the hour, Mark, we're going to spend, you know, I'd say at least five minutes or so answering some questions for you guys. Mm -hmm. And then we'll look at the upcoming schedule to wrap things up. Not, not a crazy long extended Q and a segment today. So I do apologize people in the live stream, but it just for the sake of obviously time, making it more appealing to all the viewers out there. However, you're getting your podcast. Um, Let's see. Um, Okay. Now let's get into guys. Now, Before I answer some questions, I just want to say that the Rangers, the spot they're in now, and I know I'm going to keep raving about Andrew Cobb, but he's just someone that I feel like that this is kind of a dream come true in a lot of ways for Gerard Galan, because he even said it himself. He would have been disappointed if the Rangers did, did not make any acquisitions by the deadline. And, you know, he said it's always a tough discussion for players they know are going to be either gain, you know, off the team or, you know, limited time because of guys coming in. But he knew things had to be done, and we all knew that, too. Um, but for Cop to come in, I mean, the Rangers, they didn't land Artur Lekkonen. He went to the Avalanche. That was a big deal and Lekkonen. I actually didn't even realize how great he is with his with his advanced numbers. He's actually a tremendous forward, and when you look mm-hmm. at the advanced numbers outside of just the normal base statistics, and again, that was a great again. pickup. And then we saw Ricard Raquel go to the Pittsburgh Penguins because, of course, they have to land themselves mm-hmm. another winner at the deadline per usual to help in that top six, top nine. But for them to land comp, given his versatility, this can go down as one of the better acquisitions the Rangers have had in recent years in seasonality. So. I can't I can't emphasize how much I am happy and excited about what the Rangers have done here. And a huge tip of the cap again to Chris Drury for doing something that really helped define who he is so far as a GM, you know, really leading the way for the Rangers from the offseason and the horrendous Bucinavich trade to where they have come now. Mm -hmm. It is telling you that clearly that Drury is operating under the system, under the belief that is not the stereotypical say their way. Which is yeah. what a lot of us fans were originally concerned with. Well, given his we aggressiveness this offseason.
0: We were because Chris Drury didn't give us any indication that he wouldn't. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Yep.
0: You know, and and he made all these deals without giving up Nils Lunquist, Zach Jones, Braden Schneider, Brandon Othman, Brett Berard, Will Cooley, even Ryder Korzak, you, you can throw in there. The only player that he gave up that fans might be a little bit upset about is Morgan Barron. And perf- to be perfectly honest, Morgan Barron feels a little bit like Lea's Anderson because Lea's Anderson couldn't couldn't, he couldn't he work his way up the lineup while outplaying Brett Howden. Bingo. It's, More it's not than-
1: just because of who Barron is as yeah. a player in the More- ceiling, but his yeah. situation. We all knew that Barron wasn't going to be gaining any significant time no. anytime soon with this current situation
0: Barron team. was stuck behind Greg McKegg. Uh, we all saw it. None of us understood it, but it is what it is. Yep.
1: Okay, let's get let's get into a couple questions, shall we? Um, let's see. Uh Mazzaro, thank you so much for the comment. What do the lines look like when Kako and Rooney come back? Now that's a great question because I think that's a perfect pivot. What I want to talk to you about with how the lineup is constructed, because in practice today, at least offensively, Vince McCurgliano, the main guy for the Rangers that you guys know for the most part, the lines today. Controversial Again, we're going to see the mix around a lot, but as of today, and this goes in hand with Kako and Rooney, so stay tuned for that. Kriters advantage Vetrano, first line, second line, Panarin, Strom, Cop second line, third line, Lafreniere, Heedle <laughs> Goudreau, third line, fourth line, Mott, Brzezinski, Hunt, not even Revo in there, okay? So that's what it looked. Then after that, Vince said the following, not sure if this means much, but for Gassers, of course, you know, doing the Gassers on the ice, are the end of practice laugh skated with Zvangat and Kreider, cop skated with Panarin and Strom, and Vitrano skated with Hedel and Guterot. Not going out on a limb, saying nothing is set in stone. Expect Gallant to experiment for a few games. And then, furthermore, he went on to say this recently. Uh, I'll put out some quotes later, but Gallant said to expect to see them try a few different line combos in the coming games. He also said he's anticipating Kako and Rooney's return, returning and has that in the back of his mind as he cont- considers where they'll fit. So to kind of go to answer your question a little bit, and i uh, bless you, Stephen. I don't know if you did sneeze. Someone said in the chat you did, so I'm assuming you did. But Yeah, sorry. Kako and Rooney, they're expected to hopefully be back in early April. So when you look at the construction right now, now's the time to, one, figure your, out your lines. As much as I don't want Laffy on that third line, if it, the reason is solely because of the fact that you're trying to see what can work right now with Vitrano and Cop, I get it. Like if you're going to mix it around right now with your new acquisitions, by all means, this is still the time to do it. You want to do it fairly quick to make sure that you have something balanced down the stretch of the season for you know the last ten plus games. But once Caco and Rooney's back, the Rangers can go a lot of different avenues. Now, in my humble opinion, I think that it all will be indicative on Kako and how really up to game speed he is when he returns. Because we're talking about a guy that's coming off of quite literally breaking his wrist to come back to the Rangers down the stretch, heading into playoffs. How much are we going to get from him? How game ready? How game shape is he going to be? We simply don't know that right now. There's always that raw adjustment, you know, getting the cobwebs off, if you will, before you're really in a flow of things. So Kako, you'd imagine, would be in that top six, but we don't know for certain. So I'm going to just say right now, what I think is a potential fit. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't be surprised. First line, Kreider, Zavanjad, Lafreniere. Second line, Panarin, Strom, Kako, because we know that Kako played a lot in the second line this season. Third line, this is where you have plenty of opportunity. I would imagine Cop at the center position, because Cop is the best center option there. Heedle mm-hmm. on the left and potentially Retrano on the right, which would automatically drop Goodrow to the fourth line given your depth, and then you have Goudreau on one of the wings, and then Rooney would be in there. And then I would imagine that they would alternate between having um, Revo um, and Mott. I mean, Revo would probably be the odd man out for a little bit, actually, depending on how Mott performs. I'd say
0: of those four options for your fourth line, the only one who's guaranteed to play is Barkley Goudreau. Yeah. But you need,
1: you need him even even if Goudreau isn't giving you too much offensive production yeah. he's so vital especially mm-hmm. for the Rangers on the PK I mean he's done a lot he's so far he has played in my mind up to his contract with how the Rangers have utilized him this season yes. so yes. Th- there's but, no and, denying and that
0: it's it's nice that and and we we sometimes joke about general managers taking away the coach's favorite toys um which I mean Ellen Vigneault and Tanner glass and David Quinn and Brad Howden and Gerard Galland and Greg McKaig. Yeah, Drury didn't take Greg McKaig away from him. He just gave him better options. And the same thing goes for Dryden Hunt. You know, Dryden Hunt has had two really good stretches, ironically, both times when I was in the U.S. But um, Dryden Hunt is just a fourth-line player at best in the NHL. On a contender, he should not be a top-nine player. And the fact that we added Vitrano and Cobb you know, and and Kakos coming back and Lafreniere is already in the top six. There, I I don't see Dryden Hunt having a spot on this team if everyone's healthy.
1: I I agree. I Um, don't I don't why would you give him a spot? There isn't one. They're just the more
0: more interesting debate for me is which one of the three defensemen sits out on the third parent.
1: Unfortunately, I think it's gonna be Schneider more often than not, but I will say is that if this Pairing between Braun and Nemeth continues down the hole that we saw start against the Devils. I mean, Gallant is self-aware enough to know when he needs to mix things up and feels... Schneider hasn't been great in his previous games. There's, I I think that that's a fair... Those two games on
0: the weekend showed his weakness. And and it's not that he's not good enough. It's just that he he needs time to get better. I mean, the kid just turned 20. And he exceeded
1: expectations when he he was the first out of the young group of defensemen this season to really stand out to Gallant from the get-go. Jones didn't do it to the same extent. Niels obviously didn't either. And I know that Gallant obviously likes the size aspect that Schneider brings too. That's inevitable.
0: Yeah. But I I think it's going to be Nemeth Brown going into the playoffs unless one of them really is atrocious and, and, and 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 does something that 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 costs us games i don't see Braden schneider getting getting a uh, playing time in the playoffs
1: yeah i mean i i don't either until unless we're proven otherwise prior you know if we'll again see. if that third but, you know, completely we're, we're, we're only one run.
0: injury away from from all this conversation being completely meaningless so true,
1: sure. very fair not that i wish it on anyone we nope. just know that that's how things stand right now i'm um, gonna answer a couple more here um. Sure. do Let's see. Do you guys think we keep Strom in the off season? Now, Steven has been under the belief that he like feels that the Rangers need to, that yes. makes perfect sense. I think that there's still a very good strong. I think there's a very good possibility. Strom comes back. I will emphasize, however, that Drury did not elaborate on Strom's situation from his presser after the Rangers made their trade deadline acquisition. So there isn't any public comment on, Strom's future for the Rangers, which right probably now.
0: means negotiations are currently underway.
1: Yeah, that very well could be the case for sure. Um, so I don't I really don't know what what Strom's future holds for the Rangers because I really don't know how this offseason is going to play out because I do think it's going to go directly in hand with how little or how far the Rangers go playoff wise. You yeah. know, I that's definitely going to be a factor into uh Drew's and player value. The way Andrew
0: the plays goes a long way as well. And Yep. Like I said, if, if, if Ryan Strom is willing to sign an Erickson-Eck or Nugent-Hopkins-type deal, then you can make that work. You know, you're going to struggle a little bit the first year because we still have $3.4 million in cap penalties this upcoming season. But if you can get Cop and Strom under contract for a combined $9 million or or less, I think it's going to happen you know, Headel and Nemeth are are easy casualties with with the cap hit they have and with the replacements we have Cobb's going to replace Headel in that case and and Jones is going to come up to replace uh, to replace Nemeth. You know, there are moves that that Drury can make to make it fit under the cap. Um but you also have to think about Panarin, you know, um and as much as we don't really talk about it the opinion of your star player matters and Panarin loves playing with Strom Panarin has played his best hockey with Ryan Strom Panarin has had his best product production ever in his career playing with Ryan Strom and I know a bunch of that came on the power play but still um I think Panarin's opinion goes a long way towards trying to get Ryan Strom on the contract. The fact that they did not trade him at the deadline is, is it a, a, an indication that they at least want to try and keep him?
1: Yeah, that that's fair. And uh, you know, I think it's one of those things when you look at Strom, he's done a very good job, uh, exceeded expectations for the most part for the Rangers since they've acquired him, you know, especially in the Ryan Springer deal we're, we're not going to go down that hole anymore. We know exactly how much of a win that was for our Rangers, but He's just someone where he, he has his stretches. We've seen them as of late, too, you know, between the narrative on missing the open nets and always being a high penalty guy. But then we've also seen those consistent streaks as well of Strom, where either he's gained some good goal scoring or the playmaking's just there. He's, he, for the most part, he's always felt like a very good complement to Panarin. Panarin thrives off of Strom. Strom thrives off of Panarin. Even if they're not to the same degree, there is mm. still a degree there, and that is, of course, important in the Rangers' viewpoint on how they look at Strom as a future New York Ranger but, or not. So we're gonna see there, what the office is. There is a
0: reason, there is a reason why the Pittsburgh Penguins held on to Chris Kunitz for so long.
1: Yep, exactly. Let me play this way it's not no, it's not for Chris Kunitz's complete talents, but rather how Chris Kunitz, not to get on a tangent, is the perfect example of a man at the right place at the right time. He is that perfect glue guy. There's yeah. no one that really, you could argue, has done it better for him. Mm-hmm. Winning the Mouth Champion, he won, what, six Stanley Cups? Five to six because he won with Anaheim. He won, of course, with the Penguins all their times. And then he won with Tampa. Like, he has a point so he has five?
0: At least five. He, five or six. Did he win six. both?
1: I, I don't know. He didn't win. He won one with Tampa. I know that, right? I'm, I'm going to quickly look it up now because now I'm curious. I know he was on the Blackhawks, too. Did he win with the Blackhawks? No.
0: I, I forgot he that he won one with Anaheim if if that's true. Yeah, everyone
1: I mean. forgets about the Anaheim one. But yeah, he's he's been that glue guy, you know. Uh, he's won rules. four. Oh, okay. I I'm 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 a dick then. I apologize. Um,
0: um so, so he won one with the Anaheim Ducks <laughs> and then he won so he won 3 with the Penguins and then he he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2017-18 so before they won their two cups.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah,
0: he won. He won four Stanley Cups. He's he's probably the most un, the most. Um, how do I say this? One of the least impressive players to win four Stanley Cups in the last three three four decades.
1: And you know who's and you know who's going to quickly make his way up there if he ends up winning again Exactly. <laughs> the time and the place. It's just can can set it better. All right, we're going to answer like another uh two questions here then we're going to wrap things. Uh let's see. Since we kept all the blue chip prospects, do I see uh Drury going all in for Kane or Shifley? No, I don't. Kane never no, I I yeah. Kane talk needs to stop in the my reason, opinion.
0: And I, Shifley, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't
1: I don't see it happening either right now yeah, at least. going
0: to I'm going to say this real quick. The Rangers do not have the cap space for Patrick Kane. Is that symbol? Even if the Blackhawks retain fifty percent, it's still five point two five million. The Rangers go into the offseason as it stands with ten point seven million in cap space, with six spots to fill. If they acquire Kane, and that you know that's like Sammy Blake, Kapokako. Do you want to keep Cobb or Strome? You know, um, if you do add Patrick Kane, you are stuck. You are left with five point five million. For five players. So you're basically looking at entry level contracts at that point, because the team wants at least 1 million in cap space to go into the season for cap flexibility. So you have 4.4.5 million to sign five players. That's, that's five entry level contract that that means no Kako, no Blay, no Strom, no Cobb, no Tyler Mott, no Kevin Rooney, and probably Tyler Wall is your backup. Um, Shifley, if they wanted a Shifley, they would have targeted him. They went for Andrew Cobb instead.
1: Yep. Okay. Last but not least, uh, here from KJ says, how much of a run do you think this team is capable of? I, you and I have talked kind of extensively about this already, but you know, the Rangers are a team where I don't know if this is necessarily what they're capable of, but rather what we hope for. Is that they just make it past the first round? I think that's really the the important part. Obviously, making playoffs is is important because, as as of right now, the Rangers aren't terribly far away from already dropping to the wild card. They're only, I believe, the Capitals are only five points behind the Rangers right now. So it's still a tight race just for playoffs as it is, looking at the wild card and you know the standings. But assuming the Rangers make playoffs, I think that they're they're capable of one, winning the first round, as tough as that will be if it's going to match up against the Penguins, but two, They will go as far as Igor Shosturkin takes them, the same way we would say every year with the Rangers during Henrik Lundqvist's time. Same exact thing holds true. As unfortunate as that is to say, because that should not be the case when you're talking about a team and an overall team effort. But at the end of the day, Igor has been and will continue to be that X factor for the Rangers. As long as they don't have complete defensive collapses, like we've been seeing throughout this past month and various times, especially recently in that Devils game, they will go as far as Igor takes them. So it would not be outlandish to suggest that the Rangers may go on a deeper run than what us mm-hmm. fans initially expected this year, nor would it be outlandish to see the Rangers still get kind of quickly kicked out because they have the lack of experience still. It's their first year under Golan How is he going to look in playoffs as well uh, versus especially if they do match up with the Penguins, pens know what to do. You know, they've been, they've been there. They they've done that. This is a very different young Rangers team that, is just starting to get their feet wet when it comes to playoff hockey.
0: And also, if you look at the Penguins, that Penguins team, you know, let me let me quickly pull it up. The Penguins team, when it comes to experience, um, you know, they have, hold on, there we go. Uh, they have Brian Boyle, who had deep runs with both the Rangers and the Lightning, Jeff Carter, who won two Cups with the Kings, Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, who of course won three cups with the Penguins. Um, and then you have, you know, in their early 30s, Brian Dumoulin and Chet Ruwadal, who aren't really star players, but still, you know, they bring that experience. Ricard Raquel, age 28. Jake Gensel has been with the team for what it feels like a decade. Um, this is a team that has a lot of playoff experience, uh, unlike the Rangers, who are coming out of a rebuild. So, Look, my 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 wish has always been very conservative. I want the Rangers to play seven playoff games. That's it, because that either means they make it to Game Seven in the first round, which is great experience, or they win a round and get to the second round. Either way, it's great experience for for a young team, um, you know. And aside from Barkley Goudreau and Sammy Blay. Um, most of the players on this team have not played playoff hockey in the last five years and, J- and Justin Braun, of course, but yeah. you know, the players in key positions, aside from Barkley Goudreau, who played in the top six at some stages during the season, this team doesn't have recent playoff experience. Artemi Panarin in 2019, but other than that, for Kreider, it's been five years. For Zibanejad, it's been five years. Um, just and fox and lindgren have never made it to the play to the 16 team format of the playoffs. let's put it that way uh, miller's in a second season lafreniere's in a second season caco's in the third season ryan strome his last play of experience was probably with with the oilers you know um philip hedel was philip hedel on the rangers no philip hedel was drafted by the rangers after our last playoff run in 2017 correct so again you know Philip Hedl, and I I mentioned this in a previous episode, Philip Hedl is the third longest tenured Ranger on this team.
1: I know. And he never
0: never played a playoff game in a 16-team format for for the Rangers.
1: Yeah.
0: That goes to show you how inexperienced this team is. Adding Braun, I like it. You know, uh, Nemeth brings some playoff experience, but this team needs to get their feet wet first. If the Rangers can make it to the second round, that's gravy. You know, I expected them to make the playoffs this season because it's natural progression. If they make it to the second round, you know, that's a bonus. If they make it to the third round and they give up that first round pick, I'm dancing in the streets because that's that's even better experience. If you make it to the final four with a team that has close to zero experience in the playoffs over the last five years, I'll take it. You know, I've always said the Rangers aren't going to be contenders until 2024. It's a natural progression. It takes five years from a top pick to being a contender. The Blackhawks needed six years. The Penguins needed seven years. The Bruins and the Kings. The Bruins had a, a, a retool in 2006. And the Kings won a cup five years after their first top five pick. The first top five pick for the Rangers was Kako in 2019. So 2024 is already a very optimistic Expectation for me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, we've been saying this endlessly that, you know, the Rangers, they'll be in a better spot, obviously, as they continue to progress their young stars yeah. and make them into stars, I should say. And that I think is when the Rangers were, will properly flourish when and, it comes to their
0: playoff runs. And yeah, Shashurkin can carry them. But when we've seen teams being carried to a Stanley Cup by a goalie, they were carried by a goalie who was still behind a really solid defense. Yep. And with the Rangers, unfortunately, that's just not the case yet. Yeah, we have a Norris Trophy winner, but what else do we have defensively? It's it's lacking a little bit. So, yeah, hopefully Shest can carry us to the second round. I would be happy with that.
1: I would be happy with that, too. And, again, we're going to see what happens, but I do expect uh, hopefully some progression from the Rangers come playoff time this mm-hmm. year. Assuming yep. that they, of course, crack it, which I'm not going to say is inevitable, but it feels close to. But all right, let's get into now the games upcoming for the Rangers before we get out of here and look at you know this being episode fifty one to be exact. But upcoming schedule for the Rangers: they have four games in place, and it starts with the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow, the twenty fifth, at home, and then the Rangers at home on the twenty seventh, that being Sunday. Uh, we'll have a five o'clock game against. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, we'll see how they do there. And then the 29th and 30th, back-to-back games again. Another week where the Rangers have back-to-back here, and this time at Pittsburgh on the 29th and then on the 30th at Detroit. Next time that Stephen and I will record will be at the earliest, uh, Thursday, the 31st, I would say, as of now. So we're looking at four games for the Rangers until we talk again. And um, because of the fact that I believe you won, I guess you can go first then with your prediction.
0: Yeah, two crucial games in there against the Penguins, home and away. Yes. That definitely stands out. Of course, home against the Sabres. I want to say that should be an easy win, but I was at the Sabres game at Madison Square Garden in November, and it wasn't that easy. Um, And the Red Wings, the Red Wings, man.
1: They're a pesky team.
0: Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond, Dylan Larkin. Man, they're fun to watch. They Um, are. I think we're going to win at least one of the games against the Penguins. We're going to beat the Sabres. I'm going to go 2-1-1. One, one.
1: Okay. I'm going to go 3-1. So I All think right. that's fair.
0: Dan Um I'll go first since I won last week. Uh, I'm going to go with 12. Of course you are. Um, I'm
1: going to go with – I guess I'll take the under because that's what you did last time. I'll, I'll take 11. Cool. All right.
0: Did All you, right, uh, can,
1: you, can you write it down for today? Yeah, I'll write it down. Hold on. All right. um, let's see. You picked 2-1-1. One, one. I picked 3-1-0. And, oh, and then 12 goals to 11 goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, before we get out of here, let's take a look at, obviously, number 51 for the Rangers and their history. I got to be honest. There's no one that's, cr- that's cracking the dome. Um, there's three. There's threes. Any of them over the past decade?
0: Uh, actually, two over the past decade. One actually last season.
1: Oh, now I'm gonna feel like an idiot because I don't remember the one from the last season. Um, oh, now I do. Now I do. Tarmo Ronin. all right. That, that's the, there you go. Man, that's yep, that's yep, the no. easy
0: one. That's the yeah. Easy that one.
1: is the easy one. Uh, I now Robbo Guerra was like 46 or something.
0: A defenseman and a center.
1: Still over the past decade.
0: Uh, the center was uh, at 2017-18. The defenseman was from 2004 to 2008.
1: I I won't know that defenseman. Not Wait. No. No. It isn't um Michael. Nope. Not, it's no, not a Michael. No, no, no. Uh, okay. It's a European um, defenseman. Oh, I, I'm losing it, but I do know that uh, I, I'm cheating. I'm looking in the live stream chat, but yeah, or ARNA. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Day Day or Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember him. The defenseman was Fedor Tutin.
1: Oh, okay. The the Blue Jackets man. Okay. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah, he did play go. for
0: the Rangers before that. Yep.
1: Yep. yep. Yeah, I think of Blue Jackets when I think of him though, personally, because yeah. that's what I no, no, true, to.
0: true. It's like um um you know, when when people think of Anthony Duclair, they don't necessarily like non Ranger fans don't necessarily think of Anthony Duclair as a New York Ranger, of course. Exactly. Yep. They think of okay. him as an Arizona Coyote, an Ottawa Senator, and now Florida Panther. Yep. Although he also played for the Columbus Blue Jackets like Federal
1: Tutan. He did play for CB, he played for a bunch of teams. Yeah. All right. Anyway.
0: Well, do you have so, any more knew- points before we wrap word- it up? Ken?
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm good. I, I'm just a tough schedule for the Rangers coming up. I need mm-hmm. them, I need them to step up in these penguins games. Do those matter most? They, they're really I just important. want two
0: points from Chris Kreider.
1: You just want two points from Chris Kreider. Me I don't want to I talk want, about Tony Amante anymore, man. I want to see Frank Vitrano step up because if someone's gonna step up, I think it's gonna be Frank because he has great numbers in his career against the Penguins.
0: And one thing I'll say about Vetrano, and yes, you stole that from me. Yes, I did. Because I shared it <laughs> with you. Frank Vetrano in 13 career games against the Penguins has 10 points.
1: Yep. My brother put me on to that right away when we acquired him. I was like, oh, get out. Okay, that makes sense. You know, Penguin killer.
0: Love that. Um, but, yeah, Vetrano. You know who Vetrano reminds me of a player that I also wanted at the deadline, even though he was never really available? Adrian Kempe of the LA Kings.
1: Oh yeah, I know, I know. You've been you've been preaching Kempe all year long
0: because he does exactly what this team needs. You know, he enters the zone. He's fast. He's a good puck carrier. Vitrano is the same way. He's just a, a a less obvious version of Adrian Kempe, I guess. Yeah,
1: that that's a good way to put it for sure. But
0: okay. so, what are the odds of Jacob Trouba <laughs> becoming captain now that all his friends are on the team? Nope.
1: Changes nothing. <laughs> Changes nothing. That should not be a reason why he becomes captain. Oh,
0: um, uh, can, can you imagine Truba captain and then Cop Vetrano and Mod alternates? I,
1: I'm I'm not intrigued by that. I got to be no. honest with you. I like their connection, no. but I don't like it that much. No. To the point of I rather that. have
0: six alternates than go with that. To be honest, yeah, I agree. I agree. But by the way, I, one last thing: if we win the cup do the six alternate captains carry the cup around like a casket? Like in that, in that, in that, in the meme that's been going yeah. around for the last They might year. have
1: to, because that's the only way to properly carry it by that point. You know, <laughs> they're going to have to do it over their heads. <laughs> uh, that, that's uh, hopefully, hopefully we can, we can joke about that, you know, soon. That would be awesome. My hopes up. Um, that would
0: be, that would be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, would.
1: All right. Well, again, Rangers review episode 30, uh, pardon me, 51. I was saying 30 because we're just past an hour and a half into this one. So if you guys were watching wherever you get your podcast, especially on YouTube, make sure to smash that like and subscribe button. It means a lot. And, of course, if you're listening wherever you get your podcast, leave a nice review. If you somehow, someway enjoyed this Rangers review, myself, Tyler, along with Steven, Statboy, boy, Steven, check us out on Twitter as well. Uh, again, appreciate everyone's support. Thank you all so much oh. for watching and listening. Oh, sorry, and Steven has another thing that he has to say before we get out of here like he usually does, and that sorry. is –
0: I, I I forget these things all the time. I forgot last week when we recorded. When I was in St. Louis and in Minnesota, I had people come up to me and tell me that they loved listening to our podcast. So I, I'm oh. sorry. I don't remember names. But if you were one of those people, I just want to say thank you. Shout, um, shout out to everyone. Yeah, it's very good. Shout out, shout out I to only everyone. one game so far yeah. this
1: year, and I had people come up to me when I was yeah. in D.C., Talking yeah. about Rangers shout out video. to
0: everyone who saw me at a Rangers game and walked up to me and asked for a photo or just had a quick chat, you know, really appreciate it. And it's nice to know that people that people enjoy the podcast this much.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's always humbling. Again, we're always both grateful for being able to do what we do and kind of get the feedback that we do. So shout out to you guys in St. Louis and shout out to everyone across the globe that has been chiming into Rangers view, but that'll cap things off again. Thank you guys all so much. We'll be back hopefully next week, next Thursday. Uh, You know, we're going to put a soft date on that. Cause of course we're always crazy with our schedules, but as of now, we'll be back around then after the next four games for the Rangers. But until then, thank you guys so much again, have a great rest of your day. Great rest of your week. And Steven, let's go Rangers.
0: Let's go Rangers.